Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch means it is time once again for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Cold night, cold day in the Music City. If you're stuck in traffic, I'm going to make this next however long it is before you get home entertaining. Glad to have you with us. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can reach this program, 615-737-1045. Ryan Mudd, behind the glass, spinning the dials radio style for me tonight. I am blessed beyond measure. I hope you realize that you are as well. Sometimes it really feels like he's shining his face down on you and your life, and I am definitely in one of those places, and I hope that I am not alone. So, a lot going on around sports. NFL Divisional Weekend probably should lead. You know, when you're trying to put together a show, you say, you know, what's the lead story? What's the A story? But honestly, most of the attention today has been about Kyler Murray, and I want to talk about that up front. Then I will tell you what I saw this weekend in the NFL and what you should be on the lookout for this weekend. Then we're going to do some news at the end of this show. I'm going to break some news about an expansion of the Big Six brand and talk to you about True Detective as well. So stick with us here on the program. So Kyler Murray declared today via his social media and many other reports, he declared for the NFL draft. Now, remember, this doesn't mean anything except football is now an official option for Kyler Murray. Today was the deadline to declare, but the A's don't have a deadline for him. They have said they'd like to know by spring training sometime in February, but he can still pick baseball. This was a procedural situation. Ken Rosenthal tweeted this out, and he's right, where he had to do what he did. I still believe football is probably where his heart is, but this isn't an indicator of anything more than being a possible draftee, but he could change his mind if he wanted. Now, if you listen to this show on Friday in the final segment, you heard a discussion on Kyler Murray between me and my great friend, former Wake Up Zone producer, and then now and forever co-host on Squared Circle Radio, Brandon Hagany. He mentioned to me when he arrived, we were going to handle some SCR business after the big six on Friday But he mentioned he had a take on Kyler Murray. And so immediately I did what every one of us should do. When a really smart person, a really talented person, says they have a take on something and might want to contribute, you immediately let that person contribute and then thank them for being willing to do so. And so we talked about it then without knowing some of the events that were going to come yesterday or some of the news. And my opinion, nor his, I'm sure, I I don't think has changed in the least. Kyler Murray, if he wants to play in the NFL, There are ample reasons, more reasons, why it's the better choice over baseball. First, interestingly enough, Oklahoma's SID came out earlier and said, tweeted this, keep hearing TV talking heads question the 5'10 height at which we list Kyler. I've heard a couple even say they think he's more like 5'8. Before the season, 
our strength staff measured him at 5'9 and 7 eighths in socks. Just wanted to point that out. But I want to take this from a bit of a different perspective off the top. It really comes down to difficult in any way to answer. Number one, does the NFL need Kyler Murray? With all due respect to Kyler or to any other collegiate athlete, the answer is an unequivocal no. Saturday night, the Rams and Cowboys combined for the most watched Saturday evening program in the history of the Fox Broadcasting Network. The NFL numbers, even when they're down, are the kind of things executives dream of at night. The league is basically autopilot into the next millennium. There's only one thing that could really derail football. It doesn't have anything to do with protests or politics or any of these talking points that various hot take artists have tried to go to for the last couple of years. There is an effect there, yes, but it's not a root cause of systemic failure the way it's been sort of propagated to be. The one thing football might have to worry about down the road is the concussion concerns, the safety concerns that have risen up over the past half, half decade in particular. There is the idea that there could come a time when parents simply forbid their children to play football. And if the best athletes in this country start picking soccer or start picking basketball or baseball or whatever else, football will suffer. But the NFL does not need Kyler Murray. He is a big-name college player, but he's not as big a name as either Tim Tebow or Johnny Manziel were when they came out of school. Neither of them are in the league right now. Neither of them had sustained success in the NFL, and the NFL kept right on rolling. We are in an age of great young quarterbacks in this league. Patrick Mahomes, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson, that's just a few. Tua is going to play football. So is Trevor Lawrence when he leaves Clemson. Russell Wilson still in his prime. Drew Brees still has a few more years in him. Brady appears to not be totally out of it as well. Rivers isn't retiring. Roethlisberger's still here. Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, and yes, Marcus Mariota in the prime of his career if he could just stay healthy. Kyler would be fun to watch in the pros. There's no question about that. But if he were to head to the A's organization and play baseball, that would not be a big deal for the NFL. So does the NFL need Kyler Murray? The answer to question one, no. Question two, does Major League Baseball need Kyler Murray? And here we get an entirely different answer. Baseball desperately needs stars. Young audiences are walking away from this sport. People are finding it tedious. They're finding it overregulated. They're not caring about these defensive shifts and all these numbers rotisserie nerds spend their lives pouring over. It's a slower pace game, which often makes it for a really good radio experience. At least if, you, if your market has a good storyteller in the booth. But it also turns into a never-ending television slog if it's not your team or isn't a game that matters. And there are a few that matter because it's a 162-game season, which is at least 40 to 50 more than it should be. And then they crown their champion after football has retaken all the eyeballs of the sports world. Kyler Murray has a little bit of an it factor in that we're all going to be interested to see what he does in whatever it is he does. Similar to how the media has consistently tried to keep us abreast of everything Tim Tebow has done with the New York Mets organization. I mean, ESPN ran Johnny Manziel's first CFL game in prime time. There is intrigue here. Murray does not have all the extra fodder, positive and negative, that those two guys had, but he's got legitimate two-sports skill, and he can play football and baseball on the highest level. 
If he's, let's say he ends up in double A in Midland, Texas, I would at least check the box score at night. If he gets to Vegas and he's playing for the Aviators in triple A, same deal. If he makes it to the show, I put in air quotes, I would watch the A's maybe for a little bit or keep tabs on his stats at least. Let's keep in mind, A's are going to be playing at like 10 o'clock our time. And I'm not going to stay up to watch four Kyler Murray at bats, but I'll look at the box score in the morning. There are some stellar players in Major League Baseball, but I struggle mightily to care about the sport. I'm a Braves fan, and I look at the box scores. I don't watch a whole lot of nine-inning games. I'll go ahead and fess up to that right now. Used to watch a ton. Just has changed. One game out of 162 just does not feel relevant enough to my daily life. Mike Trout, we all know about him. We know the stories. We know what baseball wants. He's got numbers that say maybe he's the most talented player in the history of the game legitimately so that's not hyperbole but he's been stuck with the angels as they've done nothing they've surrounded him with nothing they've gone through managerial changes and mike trouts basically said look i don't want to be a star i want to play baseball and there's nothing wrong with that he can do whatever he wants but baseball knows they need their mike trouts to want the cameras in their face which is why bryce harper to the yankees would be such a good thing for the big leagues in terms of business because love him, hate him, love the Yankees or hate the Yankees, it would resonate on personal scales, whereas it doesn't right now. So the answer to the second question, does Major League Baseball need Kyler Murray, is yes. And then there's the third question. We know what the two leagues stand to gain and or lose. The third question is, what does Kyler Murray want? And this is the end of the argument, really. On Friday, Brandon and I, we we laid out for you the money available to Kyler Murray in the NFL. Lamar Jackson was the final pick in the first round last year by the Baltimore Ravens. Got between $7.5 and $8 million guaranteed. He signed for 9.5, received a $4.7 million signing bonus. The A's offered him a $4.66 million signing bonus, but... And that's still a lot of money, but stop with the earning potential of baseball just dwarfing football because it's just not true. If it took two years to get to the big leagues, and there is a lot of if there, you look at that, a lot of guys wash out before four years. On the NFL side, if he can hang in the league and he can take the physicality of the NFL, I mean, Ryan Tannehill's made $70 million in his career. Look at Sam Bradford. And what he's done. Yes, he was the number one pick. But after a while, it doesn't matter if you were the number one pick. Akili Smith was the number one pick. There's plenty of scratch out there for Kyler Murray to make in the NFL. He would appear to be better maybe than both of the guys I just mentioned, meaning Bradford and Tannehill. And so the story comes out yesterday that says, look, MLB, if you want me, pay me $15 million. It was debunked a few hours later by Susan Slusser of the San Francisco Chronicle. But the idea that a college athlete is using leverage to change the way contracts are structured and negotiated could have a major ripple effect on pro sports. Think about it this way. He is essentially in the running to get a major league deal while being a minor league player. Look at the world of high finance in an investment bank. This is kind of like mark-to-market accounting, which was part of the, the whole big scandal that brought down the mortgage industry. Going ahead penciling in money before it's actually there based on the expected potential. Like it's almost a derivative. It's almost like a bond. It's a stock. He's putting it on the balance sheet as a win 
as found money and banking it as profit, putting it in those statements, before he ever swings a bat in an Oakland A's uniform, an actual Oakland A's uniform, he might be paid like an Oakland A. He might already have that money in the bank account. And that's incredible. And this is a dude, people calling him selfish need to check themselves. Let's not forget he just finished playing football, a very dangerous sport on the college level as well, for precisely zero dollars. I'm not done here. I'm going to continue to talk about Kyler Murray on the flip side of this break. And then we'll talk a little bit about the NFL divisional round. And there is just so much to contextualize and talk about from this weekend. What do you think about Kyler Murray's situation? What would you do? What is the smart play? Is it an easy call? To me, it is. If he loves football, I think there are more reasons to play football than baseball. And I'm going to lay out another huge part of this that I have not gotten to coming up. 615-737-1045 to join us. It's a big six here on a Monday. 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Go ahead and give you a programming note right now. We're going all Ryan Adams tonight. Halo off the Prisoner B-Sides. A lot of people always ask me that when I play this one. So just go ahead and snatch it right from you. You can still ask me anything you want at Jmart Zone, Or you can call us at 615-737-1045. So I'm laying out the case for Kyler Murray in football, which I believe is the proper case. And I just laid out the three questions in the previous segment that, that go into this decision or that go into this discussion, wherever it is that you're having it. Does the NFL need Kyler Murray? No. Does Major League Baseball need Kyler Murray? Yes, they need as many Kyler Murrays as they can get. What does Kyler Murray want? We don't know the answer to that question, but I think we're starting to understand he wants to play football. This is a guy who they're potentially going to change the rules surrounding young players in the league to try and keep him in baseball because they know how badly they need stars in that sport. The best negotiating position possible in life, folks, is when the person on the other side of the table from you is in a complete and total state of desperation. They're Again, they're ready to break parts of their own rules to keep Murray away from the NFL. He would end up with a major league contract, much bigger money, and a 40-man roster spot now. And then there's the poor Oakland A's. If he picks football, they lose a top 10 pick and get no compensation for it at all. Now, he would be the shortest quarterback in the NFL since Doug Flutie at this 5-9 and 7-8, basically height. But when you look at baseball compensation structure, and the free agent rules, he would need to play six seasons before becoming a free agent. And he'd actually, this is the other trick, he'd actually have to be good enough in baseball to actually make it to the major leagues. That means going from the California leagues to Midland, Texas, to Las Vegas, to somehow getting to Oakland. It is really hard to make it in baseball. It is by no means assured, even if he's good, that he can get there. Remember Drew Henson and some of the other football players through the years that have tried to get that job done, go ahead and talk to Drew Henson about how tough it is to make it on the big league level. And then there's this, and you cannot put a price tag on this. Actually, you might be able to when you actually factor everything in. 
If you want to be a real star as an athlete, how many baseball players can you readily name right now without stopping to think about it? Seriously, do that exercise right now in your cars or in your homes or if you're listening to this podcast at another time, do that exercise right now in your heads. Just start naming them. Within 30 seconds, you're going to be done. Maybe 15 for a lot of you. Now, how many NFL players can you rattle off in the exact same manner? I don't want you to do that exercise right now because you'll miss the rest of my show. The biggest celebrities in American sports are NBA superstar level players. I've laid this case out before. They don't wear helmets. You see their faces. You see their emotions on the basketball court. You see every high and every low. And as a result, you see their faces on a McDonald's commercial and it registers more than, for example, Travis Kelsey does in a McDonald's commercial. Travis Kelsey has a reality show, so that's why he's on McDonald's commercials. As good as he is as a tight end, it wouldn't matter without that. So it's NBA superstar level players followed by NFL quarterbacks. And then there is a momentous drop off to whatever number three is. Unless you're talking about a Tiger Woods, some kind of an anomaly like that, maybe an Olympic athlete like a Michael Phelps or a Katie Ledecky. And most of the time that has to actually be happening during the Olympics for it to fully register. So if you want to be a celebrity, if you want to make money on the side, if you want endorsement deals and things such as that, football is going to be a better option than baseball. Because, how again, you don't know that many baseball players that don't play for your own team, and maybe you don't even know half of the ones that do play for your team. How many middling-level baseball players can you name? And then how many average NFL players can you name? It's not even close. So, if, again, if you want to be a celebrity in your Kyler Murray, if you want endorsement money, you've got to become a household name. How many baseball players do you see in commercials that really resonate with you. Again, back to Bryce Harper. Like him or hate him, Bryce Harper has actually been able to crack into that market and doesn't shy away from being a celebrity. But think about the best pitchers in baseball. How many of them are we seeing on TV on a regular basis during commercial breaks? Not very many. Yet, here's Dak Prescott doing chunky ads, and here's you know Clay Matthews and Aaron Rodgers and all of these various people from the NFL, J.J. Watt, we recognize who these guys are. Now, they're the elite of the elite, and we don't know whether or not Kyler Murray would become a superstar player, but Kyler Murray's already got our interest because he just won the Heisman Trophy. And back to the Kyler is selfish argument, he made himself available in the MLB draft, do not forget this, before he did anything of note at Oklahoma. And then he went on and he won a Heisman Trophy, and he flourished under Lincoln Riley's scheme, and that changes, changes things for you a little bit. He enjoyed playing football, realized he was really good at it, probably already knew that. There's no reason not to declare for the draft. You don't know how it's going to go in your whatever season at Oklahoma. It went really well for him. And then he goes and he plays football for free. So right now he should try to get the best deal he can now, like right now today. Because tomorrow, folks, as much as we take it for granted, Tomorrow is not guaranteed. It's why you wake up every day. and certainly why I do. And always try to stop for a few seconds to simply consider and marvel at how blessed I am that my eyes opened again and that I have 
a bed to get out of and a life to live once I do. A few more stats, and Brandon Hagney mentioned this when he was on with me in the final segment on Friday. There are only two active center fielders right now in Major League Baseball who have made more money than Matt Schaub has in the NFL. Jacoby Ellsbury and Adam Jones. Kyler Murray would be a 5'9", 5'10", center fielder. Matt Shaw, by the way, is still in the NFL. That was news to me. He threw seven passes this season and banked $3.75 million this year. Andy Dalton has made more money in the NFL than Andrew McCutcheon has in baseball. Which of the two of those guys do you think has been more valuable in their sport? Derek Carr is getting $25 million a year. We know what Marcus Mariota might be commanding after next season, whether or not it's going to be here in Nashville or elsewhere. Nick Foles, who I continue to believe, and folks, I root for Nick Foles as hard as you can possibly root for a human being. Everything you see about him, look at him consoling Alshon Jeffrey and Doug Peterson consoling Alshon Jeffrey after that big drop well, really just went through his hands that led to the interception that ended the Eagles' season when they might be going for the go-ahead score. And it was possible they weren't going to leave enough time on the clock for the Saints to be able to match them. Rather than let Alshon Jeffrey just fall apart on the sidelines, here comes Nick Foles. Another thing about Nick Foles, who's probably going to be overpaid by somebody to go win six or seven games without Doug Peterson and without that offensive line. He may want to stay in Philly. But one thing people don't know about Nick Foles, or many people don't know, is Nick Foles also is considering being a pastor. Just walking away from football and spreading the gospel message. Not a whole lot of folks like that out there. They're going to leave $70 million on the table to do something they believe is more important. So I'm rooting for Nick Foles. But think about the money Nick Foles is going to get. I already mentioned Sam Bradford, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr. And all of these quarterbacks that have not really done all that much. There's a ton of money to be made in football. And football's where you become a celebrity. And football's where you get commercial endorsements that actually matter. And football doesn't have that farm system where you have to play your way through really small towns in front of 70 fans. Maybe more if you're Kyler Murray just from the curiosity factor. And what if Kyler Murray gets to double A and he just sits there and he keeps hitting 250? Maybe he eventually gets moved up, but... What are the chances that he's going to be a power hitter and hit 40 home runs? That's another point that Hagany made on Friday that was apt. He's not going to be one of those power guys. He's not going to be one of those glitzy players. He's going to be one of those guys that's out there working really hard, probably a really good defensive center fielder, a guy that gets on base a lot. But is he going to jump off the screen and be a game-changing generational baseball player? I would say the chances of that are limited. So one other thing I want you to take note as we go to break here is which sport do you think Kyler Murray has the better chance of being successful in? It's really hard to play baseball. Not that it's easy to play football. And we are biased in some respect because I've never seen Kyler Murray play baseball. I would bet you less than 5% of you ever have because we don't watch college baseball. And we really don't watch minor league baseball. We might go to a game here and there, but we're not paying attention on a day-to-day basis what's happening in the undercurrent of baseball beneath the major leagues. But we watched him play a lot of college football. That dude can throw from the pocket. He's fast. 
and we're seeing smaller in stature and size quarterbacks succeeding right now in the NFL. Baker Mayfield, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson. Could Kyler Murray be that kind of player? Maybe I'm also a little bit selfish in that I want to see him play football. I don't want to see him get hurt, but I think he would be really fun to watch in the NFL. And if again, if he can just be Lamar Jackson in terms of getting drafted in the first round, the money he would get guaranteed and the signing bonus he would get would be more than what the A's are paying him in that 4.66. So I think it's a no-brainer. It's football if he wants to play that. I hope he picks whatever he's most passionate about because there is no worse regret and no louder regret that screams into your head than the one that comes because you chose against the thing your heart wanted. So hopefully he listens to that more so than a lot of the chorus of voices around him. Up next, NFL divisional round was Chalk City. I explain why. It's the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back, Big Six, 104.5 The Zone, Magnolia Mountain, all Ryan Adams tonight. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone, 615-737-1045. That's 737-1045. Talked a lot about Kyler Murray in the first half of this show. If you missed any part of it, encourage you to download the podcast. Big Six with Jason Martin. Subscribe via your catcher of choice. Get this show when and how you want it. I appreciate you giving me any of your ears or your time. Uh, especially after my NFL picks this weekend. Went one and three. Okay, so since 2012, technically the 2013 postseason, but the 2012 NFL regular season, no team has won and reached the Super Bowl that has had to play on the road at any point in the playoffs. That year it was the Ravens. They went from the wild card, went on that magical run, culminated in the Super Bowl when Flacco beat Kaepernick. Since that point, year after year, you're getting ones and twos and ones in the actual Super Bowl. A lot of chalk to end this season. Hilariously, I finished Friday's show with that stat and still picked three road teams to beat the higher seeds on wildcard weekend. I picked just the Saints to get the job done over the Eagles as a favorite. Guess how my record was? One and three. Guess which one I got right? The one where I picked the home team. Folks, we forget, and by we I mean me, that earning a bye and a game in front of your home crowd in the NFL at that time of the year means more than just playing at home. It means you're a really good football team. It is so easy to fall into the bias of watching these wild card performances and overrating these teams, not realizing they're coming against less talented opposition, those wins, and teams that are lacking balance or just have glaring flaws that can get them beaten easily. Thus, I told you when I went with the Chargers over the Patriots that I was fully aware I was doing the single dumbest thing a sports prognosticator can do. Luckily, that's not what I am. I was picking against New England at home in the playoffs. Not since Mark Sanchez. Have they lost at Gillette in the postseason? Brady has only two AFC home losses in the past 13 years, regular season included. I thought LA was more talented. But I forgot that many times during this ridiculous run with Belichick and the Patriots, the team that the Patriots beat was the more talented team, was the team that had more weapons was the team that had the more dominant defense. It's Belichick. It's the Josh McDaniels play calling. It's the brain of Tom Brady, even at 41, that matters. This was a boat race. Regardless of the score, it was never in doubt. The Chargers did have more weapons, but they couldn't use them. 
Patriots out here making Rivers' life miserable in the pocket. Patriots had virtually no pass rush of note at all this season, and they appeared to knock this guy down three times every time he dropped back. More so than anything, this is the one thing that, that is the large takeaway from the weekend. When you look at the results, the teams that won were smarter than the teams that lost. These games were won more on play charts and in personnel groupings and anticipating mismatches and outsmarting the other side than actual football. That's not to say there weren't great players out there, but Patrick Mahomes didn't even throw a touchdown on Saturday, and the Colts felt totally out of that game before the first quarter had even ended. The Saints only put up 20 points, and they win the game because Drew Brees is the most intelligent player on the field, and Michael Thomas is a beast. There were a few people, a few experts that pointed this out. On the Alvin Kamara touchdown that got called back, if you go back and you actually watch this play from an all-22 cam, you're going to see Drew Brees look deep down the right sideline to hold a DB, to hold a safety, to slide him over just enough to, co- to cover whoever it is that Brees is looking at down the field. And that opened up the space for Kamara to just dart right down the hash marks and get wide open. You know who the receiver was that Brees was looking at? Casper the Friendly Ghost. Folks, there was no receiver. Breeze was so good on this play that a playoff-level safety chased an actual ghost and gave up what would have been a touchdown had it not been for a penalty that called it back. I don't even know what to say about that. Then you think about Sean McVay and the Rams' offense. What's the key? If you go back to that Minnesota Thursday night game, you saw McVay set up pass routes off of play action that got a wide receiver matched up with a linebacker. Anthony Barr got caught in mismatches three different times in that game. All of them were touchdowns. The entire concept behind the Rams' offense is built on displacing the linebackers, getting them in bad spots on the field, and then running the ball out of looks that appear different when they're actually the same. They use 11 personnel so that the defense has no choice but to be thin in key spots, and then it gives them space to bowl people over with Gurley and whatever we're seeing from C.J. Anderson. Did you notice the Cowboys linebackers on Saturday night? I heard Robert Mays say this, and I think he wrote it today at the ringer. He's right. How often did Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Brown and, and all these guys, or Jalen Smith rather, and all these guys that have been so good all year long look lost out there? It's not that they forgot how to play football. McVay outsmarted them with his play calling. Now, when you take that kind of scheming, and you add to it Dak Prescott playing one of the worst games I've ever seen him play after I said nice stuff about him, talking about how he's now hitting Michael Gallup and not overthrowing. Well, Gallup was used a lot. Didn't get overthrown, but he got thrown behind. He got led too far, and they missed him. I'm still trying to figure out why Dak refused to run the ball with wide open grass in front of him, trying to throw on a night where he couldn't hit the broad side of the world's largest barn two-thirds of the time. He was bad. He made one good throw in a game. It was a touchdown. Outside of that, he was basically a liability to the Cowboys. He's average. I think he can win, but he's not a standout. I'm not sold he's a Super Bowl-level quarterback without perfection around him, meaning not Jason Garrett and not Scott Linehan. They were outsmarted. They were outcoached. Chiefs, Colts, Andy Reid, that offensive mind. You can throw that time management crap out the window. Eventually, you've got to let that narrative go. Now he's got a Lamborghini at quarterback. And he's got Mercury running down the field catching passes in Tyreek Hill. On Saturday, the Colts didn't even look like they belonged in the same league with the Chiefs. Luck was not comfortable and it was cold, but he, he had time for much of that game. Nobody could get open down the field. We didn't pay attention to the fact that Kansas City's defense actually got better in the last month of the season. 
Justin Houston can play. Chris Jones can really get after a quarterback. And D. Ford is really good. The Colts O-line collapsed. Glowinski had a terrible day. Defensively, no answers for Mahomes. But again, Patrick didn't throw a touchdown in the game, and it was a total beatdown. Now, the Colts were ahead of schedule, and they're going to be really dangerous going forward. But Andy Reid's on another level. And Arrowhead matters. Back to home field. They got it because they're the best teams, and they earned a shot to play in front of their home crowd. Maybe doesn't mean as much for the Rams against a team like Dallas because they're Dallas, but it mattered at Arrowhead, and it definitely mattered in the Superdome, and it mattered at Gillette Stadium. You could argue if New Orleans had that same start against Philadelphia with the interception and the two-touchdown deficit in Philly and not at home, they might lose that game. But they didn't, and so they didn't. Home field is huge. The fact the Patriots have to go on the road to beat Patrick Mahomes for the second time this season, if they want to reach the Super Bowl, that's enormous. We'll continue to talk about these two matchups coming up on Sunday with the four best teams in the league, the ones we thought were the four best teams most of the season. And even though morons like me decided to go against logic, sports again went off script, and some of the things that you thought were going to be the case were absolutely not the case. Speaking of cases, a new case on HBO. True Detective is back. I'll give you my thoughts on the premiere and give you some pretty exciting news about the Big Six expanding. Coming up next, this is 104.5 The Zone. At Big Six, 104.5 The Zone, Rosalie come and go. Off the deluxe version of Ryan Adams' gold, bringing us home tonight. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone, 615-737-1045. Just going to let this one breathe for just a second. 737-1045. All right. So, people have hit me up at jmartzone, and they've emailed me as well, contacted me in various ways, and they've asked forms of this question for a couple of months now. I'm not going to say it's thousands, but those of you who have asked about this particular topic, it's time to give you some answers. I said that I was going to break a little bit of news about an expansion of the Big Six brand. Doesn't mean that the show itself is changing. It's not, but there's going to be more coming in a different format. Many of you know that I hosted a pop culture podcast when I was working for Clay directly under the Outkick brand called Outkick to Culture. And it developed a decent fan following and people enjoyed it. And when it disappeared, people said, well, is that just dead? Are we not going to do that anymore? And one very nice person said, I feel like pop culture is really important to your brand. I hope that you're not just going to get rid of it. Let me tell you a quick story. And then I want to get to True Detective for a minute. Because of some of the changes in my life over the last couple of years with faith becoming paramount above all else, pop culture has become more difficult for me in that there is content out there that I used to trade in just in terms of things that I used to review that I no longer want in my life. When the language is too strong or the content is too salacious and things like that. I don't find that to be good for me. There are shows like, look, the deuce on HBO is a great show. David Simon, who created the wire and was part of homicide life on the street and did Treme, one of the most brilliant guys in all of TV. And he's doing a show called the deuce. 
on HBO that's about the adult film industry and the rise in the 70s and, and all of those things. And I watched the first season and I got to the end of the first season and I remember in the last couple of reviews I said, I'm not having fun watching this show. I don't like how I feel when this show is over. So when we get done with this season, I recognize how well this show is put together, but I'm not going to be the one to write on it anymore. There are a lot of people out there that are going to cover that stuff, but I can't do it. I can't do it. My, my conscience just, just won't allow it anymore personally in my life. That's just a personal decision for me. Not judging anyone else at all. I just I have to believe what's in my heart about my own life. And so that's made it more difficult because a lot of the things I used to watch, I just don't watch anymore. Movies in the same way. Even though my audience has grown. So I'm still trying to figure my way through this and what's okay and what's not and just what makes me feel good, what's uplifting. All of those kinds of things have to factor into it now where maybe they didn't before. But the announcement that I want to make is, you know, this has been discussed in the building for a couple of weeks amongst a very select few people. But the podcast is coming back. In addition to the big six, there will be a culture podcast hosted by me covering film, television, music, games, all sorts of different things that are on my mind and giving you deep dives and analysis and retro stuff and all of that. And it's going to be called The Pop Six. And I don't know if it'll be this week or next week. The first episode will hit, but it's going to be available in the very same place that you're able to get The Big Six. So I am excited to bring that back. But it's going to look different than it looked years ago because there's stuff I'm just not willing to do anymore. And I hope that that's okay with you. I feel like when I'm behind this microphone, it's paramount for me to just be honest about who I am so that you feel like there's some connection between you wherever you are and me here. Because I know I'm not here without you. But I just want you to know who I am and where it is that I'm going. So there are places I'm not willing to go anymore that I used to go to. Not that those places were evil necessarily. They're just not where I want to be now. So let's talk a little bit about True Detective Season 3, which I was pleasantly surprised to find. It didn't have a ton of language, and it really, from a content standpoint, it was okay. And I wrote reviews, and I'm going to write about it this season over at the Big Six blog at 1045thezone.com slash Big Six blog. Hopefully HBO is going to give me these in advance so I can time out reviews with the closing credits, which a lot of you have grown accustomed to with my writing. True Detective one of the instant cultural hits in season one, two terrific performances from Harrelson and McConaughey. It was a layered, somewhat obtuse whodunit. And Nick Pizzolatto, the creator, really likes to mess with his audience. He likes to drop these clues that require research to discover their meaning, even if they turn out to be MacGuffins and fake. Season one had a lot of good points. And then it's arguable, to some at least, that they didn't land the plane. The conclusion wasn't satisfactory. I mentioned Collateral on this show before. Great Michael Mann movie right up until the finish was terrible, and I've never watched it again. Trending to be special, but if you miss the ending, I'm going to forget. We're all going to forget. Then there was season two of True Detective, where instead of the two leads, we get four. Big names, Colin Farrell, uh, Vince Vaughn, Rachel McAdams, Taylor Kitsch. But that was without question one of the more disappointing seasons of TV I can ever remember. And Pizzolatto goes in a different direction. Story's all over the place. It's a total mess. It feels like he wants to tell you I'm smarter than you, and it backfired badly. True Detective in real short order went from top property to eh, maybe we should just put this thing out of its misery over the course of just two years. So season three is kind of make it or break it because if it's to fail here, there's no real reason to trust Nick Pizzolatto to do anything further. So the premiere had to hit. It had to make sense. 
and it needed to remind us of the first year and make us forget about the second. And luckily, for the most part, from what I saw and what I wrote at the Big Six blog, that's what it did. Now, it's yet to be determined if this finale is going to pull off what it intends to do. But unlike season two, one thing we already know about this year is these characters are intriguing in and of themselves from the get-go. Their relationships, how they're progressing through the various time periods of this story, that's worth this journey, even if the crime doesn't wow us when we find out what actually happened. Now, if it goes supernatural, and that was kind of teased with that Dungeons and Dragons guide in Will's bedroom, that's going to be a mistake. This is a hard-boiled drama where the crime is important, but never forget, the most important thing really is Wayne Hayes' character. And we see him at 34, and we see him at 44, and we see him at 70 years of age. All of those versions of that character still obsessed with what happened to these two kids. The show is about him more than it is about the crime, just as season one and two were about the toll that the mind-bending crimes took on the detectives themselves through time. His mental state and how it's deteriorated into some kind of mixture of dementia and some brand of Alzheimer's, or at least that's one way to describe it, even if it's not what it is, that's what we're watching. Mahershala Ali in two hours already earned his money. That is a walk, folks, to an Emmy nom. I don't know what else is to come this year that's going to challenge it. There will be a lot, I'm sure. He's going to be in the running, and rightfully so. The 70-year-old Wayne Hayes is the key to the three. But all are incredible acting jobs. And this dude already has an Oscar, and he may get another nomination in a couple of weeks for Green Book. Season three needed a good start, and it got one. I cared about the case. I cared more about these people. The acting was good. The chemistry with Ali and Dorf, and even more so between Ali and Carmen Yogo, was really strong. There were literary references. We get two Robert Penn Warren poems. We got Truman Capote being channeled. We got half a dozen potential suspects. Plenty of time for this to go off the rails. But I'll tell you quickly, if you bounced or balked because of season two, come on back. It's worth giving this another chance, if for no other reason than to watch Mahershala Ali just own this screen. This is a pretty good start. Not that much competing on the entertainment landscape right now. The timing is solid. And one other quick thing, Game of Thrones is back on April the 14th for its six-episode final season. That's, a, that's also the same day as Sunday at Augusta. And it's also Palm Sunday. I can't even think of a better Sunday from an entertainment standpoint than that. Game of Thrones comes back, and we get Sunday at the Masters. And before I get you out of here and send you to Vol Calls, let's make you smarter. So the Eagles went down to the Saints last night. That assures us there's not going to be a repeat champion in the NFL this season. Folks, that's not a new development. Last time a team went back-to-back, the 3 and 4 New England Patriots. It's been 14 years, and that streak's going to continue. Just a reminder of how hard it is to win in this league and a reminder that this Pat's success, reaching eight straight AFC title games, utterly Remarkable. We may never see anything quite like it again. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night. Vault calls next.